Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever time it is. Uh, we're just about that time of year where we set our clocks forward or back. Tom, what are we doing? Forward or back this time? Backwards? Okay, we're doing back this, this time. Uh, we're about to set our top clocks back, which means we're either going to be getting up to go to work when it's dark and being cranky about that, or we're going to be coming home from work and it's going to be dark and we're going to be cranky about that. Either way, uh, there is some question about... Uh, legislation to maybe do away with the um, time changes. Something that's interesting, I found that um, that more than this time of year, the uh, the rate of heart, heart attacks, heart attacks, cardiac events uh, is increased due to the changing of the clocks. Uh, so, and the whole reason that the changing of the clocks was invented was to make people more healthy and work better in the daylight. So um, just once again, why uh, when you hear I'm from the government and I'm here to help you, you should run. Um, what we're going to talk about today is uh, something that uh, it pains me to talk about. Uh, pains me to talk about. Uh, that's a joke because P-A-I-N-S is what we're going to talk about. Um, we'll get to my acronym happy person in a second. Um, PAINS is an acronym for pre-attack indicators, uh, and that is what we're going to talk about. Simply, this uh, past month, uh, actually this past week, uh, there was a horrible shooting uh, in the uh, uh, New England area, and uh, that's one of the reasons this pains me to talk about, because I want people to understand there are oftentimes pre-attack indicators that you can sometimes see. Now, from what I understand, this guy just burst into a bowling alley uh, with an AR and started shooting. So um, that doesn't necessarily mean you you could see any pre-attack indicators. That was a surprise uh, event for many of those people. But pre-attack indicators uh, is a common term. For people who uh, act just pr how they act prior to an attack, um, in fancy terms, uh, psychological mumbo-jumbo, it's called uh, nonverbal and paralinguistic indicators of an, of an impending assault. That's, so the pains, instead of pre-attack indicators, it would be a nonverbal and paralinguistic indicator of impending assault. So that would be a P-A-I-N or a N-V-P-I-I-A. Yeah, I'm going to go with pains. It's much easier. So we're going to stick with pains for now. Uh, and I'm not a psychological mumbo-jumbo kind of person. Uh, I speak Pittsburgh ease and most of the time way too fast. So that being said, the first and foremost important thing we're going to talk about. Attacking people is not a normal act for normal people to do. Uh, any human being um, is not made to impact another person in a negative manner with pain uh, or injury. Um, no human being is made to hurt another human being. Matter of fact, in the concept of sheepdog mentality, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, my one of my my huge idols, um, is um, his concept of sheepdog mentality is the world is in mostly made of sheep. Sheep just go about their daily work, bah, daily walk, bah, daily life. Bah. They don't hurt anybody. Matter of fact, the only way they can hurt another sheep is by accident. Um, 
then there are uh, wolves, and wolves are psychopaths bent on hurting, attacking, and um, taking advantage of sheep. Uh, that is the two main consults, uh, uh, concepts there. The third part of that in, um, algorithm, or, you know, or however you want to call it there, is uh, the sheepdog. The sheepdog uh, is there to protect the sheep. Now, a lot of times, the sheep don't like the sheepdog because it looks a lot like a wolf. Uh, it's got fangs. It's got weapons. It's always sniffing around the perimeter. It's always telling them what they can and cannot do. So a lot of times, the sheep don't like the sheepdog. But when the wolf attacks... Believe me, they want to be right behind the sheepdog. Uh, that is what we're talking about here with pains. The normal people don't um, show pains. Uh, the sheepdog recognizes the pains. The wolf shows pains. Uh, so if that helps out that with that uh, uh, analogy. So the, the best way to study somehow seeing what is not normal is to study the normal. I know that sounds weird, but just sit and watch people. Watch what is normal. Um, we just came back from a trip to Disney World. One of my absolute favorite things to do is sit on a bench with my wife and just watch people in Disney World. Uh, that is my happy place. But while doing that, I'm also watching how people respond, how people react. I also love to watch their T-shirts. Uh, the one T-shirt I saw was a, a gentleman that said... Um, can I wear matching t-shirts with the rest of my family, said no man ever. Uh, so I thought that was kind of an interesting uh, thing towards Disney World. But watching people is a great way of finding what is normal. Uh, one of the things which I'd love to desc describe is uh, I've got a very good friend who is a Secret Service, uh, uh, retired Secret Service uh, agent. One of his big things was um, counterfeit work. Um, everybody thinks of the secret services of the guys protecting the president. And yeah, they do do that. But 90%, 99% of their jobs uh, curtail mostly investments and uh, financial aspects as well as counterfeit. So, but he, we, when asked, how do you know a counterfeit? Uh, he said, the way you know a counterfeit bill is by studying intensely a true bill. Now, uh, as a Christian believer, I can also say the way you um, are able to see non-truth is by studying the truth. In this case, you know, studying biblical concepts. By studying the biblical concepts, you will know non-biblical concepts. And the same thing with the counterfeit aspect of this. But by watching the norm, you will be able to see the abnorm. So, uh, pains are specific nonverbal signals uh, these signals are communicated um, by perpetrators that oftentimes will preclude or maybe even suggest nefarious intent. How's that sound, huh? Uh, basically, it's it's a way of looking at somebody and saying, something ain't right. Um, as my granddaddy always said, he said, something's not kosher in Hooterville. I'm uh, not exactly sure why he said that because uh, we really didn't eat any food that was kosher and we didn't live in Hooterville. Um, Hooterville is from Petticoat Junction. Wasn't that the Hooterville choo-choo? All right. Yeah, see? Uh, see, this is, that's where Tom comes in, knowing all these things. Uh, so these signals, these pains, uh, most of the time they're leaked out of the unconscious, um, for lack of better work terms, the, the unconscious facet of the criminal mind. Uh, they're displayed by way of body language. Um, we need to be able to recognize 
these body language things that a lot of times they're like cataloged uh, in the in the conscious mind of those who are situationally aware. Uh, and I can't tell you enough about situational awareness and the need for situational awareness. Um, probably right up there, maybe a, a very close second to de-escalation training uh, in my book for uh, people who are in the uh, security business. You need to have uh, great de-escalation techniques, uh, but you also have to have amazing um, situational awareness as well. Anyways, because they are unconscious, they oftentimes are very fast. Uh, in many ways, they're actually independent of their conscious actions. Um, it's really imperative that we train ourselves to recognize these signals. Um, in order to do that, uh, you need to uh, narrow the processes between observation and action. Uh, or in this case, I could even say the time between observation and reaction. Because a lot of times, there's an old ad, uh, 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 saying that says... Um, Reaction or action is faster than reaction, and it is true. So you have to be able to keep attentive to those observations uh, to make those reactions uh, at a faster time. Uh, one of the most effective ways to avoid becoming a victim is to spot an attack before it happens. Uh, there's many people who, uh, and there's a um, um, left of bang is the book. The whole concept of left of bang is if there is a timeline and there is an event, that's the bang. You want to stay left of bang, meaning you want to be before the event happens. When seeing the event occur, uh, Left of Bang was written by a gentleman by the name of Patrick Van Horn and Jason Riley. Uh, the other book I was thinking of by Gavin DeBecker was The Gift of Fear. Uh, those are two awesome books, uh, and that's where the name Gavin was coming in, so I apologize. Anyways, so if you can try to be left of bang, um, what the effectiveness of that is to avoid becoming a victim, uh, to spot that attack before it happens. Um, and that could be whether you're in, uh, encroached upon uh, at a church, at a street, um, paying attention to the body language to the, those, those of you around you is a very powerful tool. Having some understanding of an aggressor's body language, uh, that really takes away the, the, the advantage they have of the element of surprise. Uh, some possible signals, uh, signs, symptoms, whatever you want to call it, uh, of a, that an attack may be imminent. No, I'm not saying it is imminent, but may be imminent. In, in the, in, imminent. That attack may occur soon. Um, number one is fidgeting. Uh, the person will be fidgeting. They'll be shuffling their feet, uh, making very small movements, uh, almost like trying to fine-tune themselves to prepare themselves. A lot of this also reflects uh, uh, some agitation and anxiety and discomfort, almost like a restlessness. Why? Because it's not normal to attack somebody. They're having to override that part of their body that says, this ain't right. Um, so another sign, symptom, uh, whatever you want to call it, is uh, eyes begin to blink very uh, rapid and very often. Uh, one of the reasons is uh, with that anticipation of an increased activity, your eyes become very dry. So you will become start blinking uh, frequently because you have very dry eyes. And oftentimes you actually see the person rubbing their eyes um, when they're, uh, the rate of blinking increases, um, they can also incur what's 
referred to as the dead man stir or somebody once called it the, the thousand mile stare. Uh, you'll get that in their eyes as well because they're having such intense concentration on what they're about to do. Once again, because they have to override that normalcy of not attacking somebody. Uh, third way of about looking at somebody is um, they'll start scanning. And what I mean by scanning is, uh, no, they're not at the checkout making a little beeping noise. Scanning meaning they're looking around. They're, uh, they're having very frequent observation about who's around. They're, um, they're targeting glances, as someone once said. Um, scanning basically means um, looking though they're looking for something. Uh, and basically they are. What they're looking for is, um, is the person I'm looking at a, a susceptible subject? Uh, they're looking, are there any people who might back me up? Are there any witnesses? Uh, where are my escape routes? Um, maybe even, you know, is there another compatriot or compadre or um, person working with him? Um, that's the other thing they might be looking at or for. Um, basically, they're doing the exact same thing I'm telling you you need to be doing at all times. They're just doing it for nefarious reasons. Um, and what you're doing it for is to keep an eye out what's going on around you. It's interesting because uh, I have had several people who have very keen situational awareness uh, skills say to me that security has approached them because they were scanning, they were looking around, they were investigating because they were looking for where is the emergency exit. Uh, they were doing all the things that a bad guy would do um, as a good guy. And um, that's one of those things that, going back to that sheepdog, they were giving off an appearance of a wolf being a sheepdog. So that being said, um, sometimes they'll be looking for people. It almost looks like they're looking through people sometimes. Um, what, they, what they're looking at really doesn't matter as far as we know. Uh, it's all bad, basically, the reason they're looking around. Targeting glances. Uh, targeting glances is also a term used to refer to the obvious preoccupation of a person staring or repeatedly glancing um, and in, at an intended target. Oftentimes, if eye contact is meant, they will immediately break uh, contact. This can be a hint that the person is looking for an escape route. You know, once again, they're looking at the face um, of the person to see how they're, uh, if they're looking at something, if, they're, if their head is buried in their phone. Uh, another thing which they actually oftentimes uh, targeting glances are is that a targeting glances will also look at the hip of a person to see if they are um, carrying a weapon. Uh, that is also one thing that targeting glances will do. Uh, those oftentimes can be an evaluation of, a, of an impending attack. Uh, fourth thing we look at is their hands. Are their hands in their pockets? Um, are their hands clenched? Are their hands fidgeting? Um, whether it could be tightening of the fists, oftentimes um, clenching of the fists is also followed with the clenching of their teeth. Um, and you start seeing them constricting muscles. Uh, this in, uh, is a very good indicator of physical stressors um, and, and perhaps a readiness for an attack. Uh, Pre-fight uh, pre tensions will cause the jaw muscles to bulge, um, the fists uh, to close, and, and facial muscles to contract. Uh, the interesting thing, if you pay attention uh, and observe people who are in a pre-fight stance, 
Uh, if you're ever watching a boxing match or an MMA match, you'll see this. The, uh, the trapezius muscles, uh, also called the trap, for those of us who are muscle geeks. <laughs> no, no, I'm not really. Um, but I, my son's a gym rat, so he told me it's called the trap. Anyways, the trapezius muscle, which is normally flat, and it's a triangular muscle that covers the back of the neck and the shoulders. Um, during a time of increased uh, uh, stress and preparing to fight, the trapezius muscle um, rises. And uh, that flat muscle becomes a triangular muscle and it covers the back, like I said, the neck and the shoulders. And it rises and, uh, and, it, and the body constricts to prepare for a physical assault. Uh, imagine um, how the, if you look at the cartoon animals when they bring their arms up, how their trapezius muscle rises. And it's in reality, it does actually work a little bit like that. Uh, number five, the things you could be looking for is inappropriate clothing. Um, if it's a nice winter or a nice summer day and they're wearing winter clothing, there's a hint. Uh, one of the assaults that took place in a church in Texas, the guy had a very long um, hoodie on, uh, and that hoodie was uh, concealing a sawed-off shotgun. Um, so he also had a fake beard and a fake um, wig on as well. Matter of fact, the people who let him into the uh, lobby, as well as the people who let him into the sanctuary, said they could see the string go behind his ears of the fake beard. So you probably don't want to let that person into a sanctuary or a worship center. Anyways, if the weather, if the clothing is inappropriate for the weather or the environment in this case, uh, this could be related to a person maybe hiding something. Um, something else that you might see is that fighting stance. Now, I say that fighting stance like you know what that means. You might know what that means. Um, if not, uh, look up, well, there's a term, pugilistic. Ooh, that word today, toilet paper is really coming to, to coming in handy. Pugilistic stance uh, is what we're talking about. It's called the fighting stance, the most common. Uh, and that's always a precursor before a fight. Uh, it's an indicator that someone is at least considering uh, being involved in a, in, 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 a, in a fight. The pugilistic stance or that fighting stance is rather obvious. Uh, you'll drop one leg. Uh, and one side of your body, usually the strong arm side, the strong side, so if you're right-handed, that right side will drop behind the other side. Um, it may be accompanied by a fist clench, that facial tightening. Uh, many times it comes with a verbal warning as well. Uh, you have to understand and recognize these, and uh, this is uh, when you start seeing them shift their weight, that means they're, they're powering up. They're getting ready for something, uh, and that something more than likely ain't good. Uh, no matter how slight that significant indicator is something that must be uh, seen. <clears throat> In the meantime, remember and recognize, uh, understand these signals um, on a conscious level because they're being shown on an unconscious level. Uh, if you're able to look at them on a conscious level, that might be the difference between winning and even the difference of becoming a, becoming a victim. Uh, it's odd though, because if you uh, do recognize these signals, it's important to observe, pay attention to them, and listen to those uh, whom you interact with. It's vital to observe the norm once again to recognize the abnorm. Uh, that's always one thing. Uh, women have a tendency to have uh, women's intuition. I always go with women's intuition. Uh, if my wife says, get out, I get out. Uh, men don't have anything cool like that. Some, some guys try to be cool and say that I have spidey sense. Eh, not the same. Women's intuition has been found to be 90% accurate. 
so when your wife tells you do something, yeah, you know what, guys, just do it. It's going to save you a lot of problems. Some of the responses of pains. Uh, when pains are witnessed, you will most likely be in two camps. Um, one is alert because you've got situational awareness. You're prepared. You have been trained. The other is untrained, uh, not situationally aware. Um, apparent, according to the Cooper's Color Code, uh, if you're prepared, you're hanging out in condition yellow. Uh, those people who are unprepared and untrained are just in condition white, waiting for something to happen that they don't even know is about to happen. So an untrained response to a violent uh, situation, say there's a fight occurring, um, the first, person that, first thing that an untrained person will say is, what's going on? Um, this can't be happening. Uh, the, uh, the confusion of, of not understanding, uh, the disbelief of not uh, believe it's happening, you know, this can't be happening. Uh, the denial even at some point, uh, this is part of a skit or I see fireworks. Uh, we were just discussing shortly prior to this, there was a situation in a bar where a woman was sitting there drinking and there was gunshots outside the bar. And she said to the person she was sitting with having a drink, she said, that's really weird. It sounds like someone's kicking the dumpster out back. Well, that is total denial. Um, then follows that with normally panic, the oh crap, now what concept, uh, followed by the inability to commit to action. Um, <laughs> the, the phrase that we oftentimes hear in this situation of people who are not aware is, hey, somebody should do something. Uh, well, yeah, you should do something. Get out. Uh, you look at those events of the untrained person versus an observant, situationally aware person. Observant, situationally aware person. There should be an acronym for that. OSAP? An OSAP person. Well, that... No, that doesn't sound good. We'll just stick with an observant, situationally aware person. The, the OSAP person, trained response to an event is the direct opposite. Uh, the crisis is accepted. Um, the guy that was on flight 93. The trained response to that violent uh, event by someone who is trained, observant, situationally aware. Uh, once again, that... Uh, observant situation person um boy that screwed that up all right so opposite of that is the trained response of a person who is uh in possession of a trained observant situationally aware um person uh is to have that crisis accepted uh he could or she could say okay it's on let's roll uh, that term, let's roll, uh, became famous from the guy that was on Flight 93 um, the, during 9-11. Uh, he called his wife, and uh, upon right before he hung up the phone, he said to the group around him, okay, let's roll. Um, he did something about it. He was accepting the crisis and responding appropriately. Uh, some responses, uh, or that responsive person might also uh, think, uh, what direction is the threat? How can I address that threat? Where are my exits away from that threat? Those kind of concepts is, is a responsive uh, a, a response of a uh, situationally aware trained person. They also maybe have some recall um, looking around prior to that. They might be looking, okay, where was the cover? Where was the concealment? Uh, this was 
This is falls under recall because this was done prior and established prior to the event occurring. So that recall is, uh, what did I see before that I need to know about during this event? The urgent response, uh, I'm going to take initiative. I'm going to get myself, I'm going to get my family and anyone else possibly out of danger and, and if need be, face the opposition if needed. Um, uh, during training that I, I took with Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman uh, in person training, he was saying that the concept of run, hide, fight isn't necessarily um, accurate. He said a lot of times um, you will fight, um, run, or fight, hide, right, fight, hide, run. Um, and uh, if you're a person who is trying to uh, take care of the assailant, uh, but honestly, I'm going to stick with the run, hide, fight. I think if there's an event occurring, the first thing you want to do is run, get out. Uh, there's been times where there's been an active shooter where the uh, people were told to lock down uh, and people were found deceased, you know, five feet from a door that they could have just run out the door, but instead they hunkered down, they locked down. Don't lock down if you can. Get out, run first and foremost. Take who you can with you. Um, then if you have to hide and then if you have to fight. So um, if you're facing that danger, uh, face that opposition if needed. Um, that is the big thing uh, we will discuss. For the most part, these pains uh, are something that uh, you can uh, understand. And with some training, you can very easily uh, understand those. If you uh, are looking for training, I would highly Highly, highly recommend you get training. Uh, there's always people who say, I will rise to the occasion. And rising to the occasion is nothing but a bunch of uh, uh, horse hockey, um, buffalo chips, whatever you want to call it. You don't rise to the occasion. You fall to the lowest level of your training. If you are indeed looking for some training, I would be happy to assist you. Uh, my name is Terry. I operate an organization called Church Emergency Consulting. It is a consulting firm that trains people in just this situational awareness. We also teach medical training, uh, stop the bleed, CPR, first aid, workplace safety. Uh, we also do active shooter training, um, stop the bleed. I think we, there's so many different things we could be doing training with. We train parking teams for organizations and churches and schools. Um, the first layer defense we train uh, management to uh, do policies and procedures to um, do all those fun things as well this is something that we really need to be thinking about more every day um, especially seeing things that occurred in in uh, in Israel people were just at a music festival uh, they might not have been situationally aware when people started flying overhead in um, gliders uh, motorized gliders and uh, so you have to think ahead uh, I don't want to knock on anybody because during a music festival when you think someone has a glider that's cool that's neat uh, until they open fire on you so um, but you have to think all the time where is my way out uh, once again if I can help you whatsoever you can contact me at terry at churchemergency.com uh, you can also call me by phone or text me 412 527 3673. And this has been a church emergency podcast. Uh, mostly for the last couple of times, we've been dealing with houses of worship, uh, security teams, and medical teams. But we're going to be delving into a little bit more of uh, other organizations, um, job site safety, and um, other 
aspects of uh, and, and concepts. But that'll be the future, and hopefully you join us and keep in contact with us. If you like this podcast, please uh, leave it a follow. Like and follow. Thank you. Um, like and follow the podcast, and uh, let us know you're out there. Show it to a friend. Uh, share it. Um, if you have a security team, uh, recommend that they follow this as well. Uh, or send it to them so they can indeed also listen to it. If you have any other questions, please contact me. Like I said, very easily done. Terry at churchemergency.com or 412-527-3673 for a text or phone call at any time. Greatly appreciate your time, and hopefully um, you learned something and had a little fun while we talked about all this fun stuff. And uh, you guys have a wonderful, wonderful day. 